the Nikabi Diary Season 1 ebook with clickable links for each episode is available now, complete with 52 illustrations and inspirational quotes from each podcast guest. Click on the link in the description to get yours. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Season 2 of the Nakabi Diaries podcast, a platform dedicated to sharing the stories of the women behind the veil. This season, we will be speaking to more Muslim women from all walks of life as we continue to discuss their deep and intimate reasons for wearing the niqab. The Nakabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host, Samar, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sister. How are you? Alhamdulillah, very good. Jazakallah khair for joining us today on the Naqabi Diaries. Sister, could you introduce yourself for the listeners and tell us a little bit about what you do? Okay, um, my name is Zakir Sharif, uh, on the net, known as Sister Insham. Um, I've been living out here in Syria for over seven years. Um, don't know whether to call myself a humanitarian. Um, that's that's pretty much what I do out here, uh, or aid worker, or or such and such. But um, what I would say is probably I'm just a mum trying to raise her kids in the in the right environment and give them um, the experiences that maybe they wouldn't gr- get back at home in the UK. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. We're going to talk more about that as well, inshallah, because I think that um, mashallah for me, I think you're somebody who's very courageous, to be honest. Um, and I'd like to talk about more about your your life in Syria and what kind of what made you want to move there in the first place. Because obviously, a lot of people don't even want to move like to places that are more well known and that would be classed as safe, for example. So I want to talk yeah. about that as well later, inshallah. Um, but first, we'll talk about um, you know, just you personally, like your life as a Muslim how did you get to be wearing the niqab okay um bismillah alhamdulillah uh born as a Muslim uh, when I got to my early teens alhamdulillah my parents started practicing them then alhamdulillah they were they were Muslim to begin with but didn't really have an uh, understanding of the deen as such um because they're raised in the UK as well born and pretty much born and raised in the UK mm-hmm. um so their education everything was done there they had to uh some elements of Islam and some traditional elements from the Pakistani culture and then um, as we began to get a bit older I think it kind of put my mum and dad into this thing that they wanted to focus on the deen more and give us something um, so that was back in like the early 90s and mum put on a niqab at the time my dad was really um, he wasn't wasn't for it at all um, he was happy with her wearing hijab and abaya, but he didn't want her to make that big step into niqab. So she wore it for about six weeks. And um, because times were really different back then, um, after six weeks, she decided to take it off. Um, and then in regards to the rest of us and mum and dad as well, alhamdulillah, we carried on on a journey of studying the deen together as a family, alhamdulillah, going to different yeah. events, uh, different groups, different organisations. Alhamdulillah, I'm not sure of your age or the listeners' ages, but back in the 90s, mashallah, uh, along the barak, it was it was a brilliant time to be growing up in the dawah scene, yeah. and you had an opportunity to go to, you know, go get vast amounts of knowledge, um, and actually, you know, face to face. Obviously, now, nowadays, alhamdulillah, with the, with the internet, that has made it uh, more possible as well. But back then, you had the opportunity of actually seeing the the speakers and, you know 
gaining that ilm or seeing what their family like life was a little bit as well and mm. you know alhamdulillah alhamdulillah it was a big net to grow up in those times alhamdulillah. so um yeah fast forward uh to now um sort of so after that after starting to practice and stuff like that um sorry could you just pause there how did you how did you what made you want to wear the niqab itself like what was your kind of transition into that uh to, the reason I mentioned my mum is because of her experiences back then I was actually quite anti-niqab right um she mum wore the niqab she had a lot of stick a lot of lot of stick back then obviously a lot of race uh, racist comments and stuff my mum is quite mouthy as well if I can say that in a nice way as a compliment okay. so my mum is as good as she can get um if anybody did say anything uh, she, she would answer back and she would give them you know Mm -hmm. uh, a full answer to to what they were saying so there was yeah. like back then I was around um probably about 12 13 um so it was there was, there was a lot of confrontation I would say but alhamdulillah alhamdulillah Allah was protected mum and um <coughs> excuse me and um in regards to to how my mum and her personality people warmed to her so I think back then the assumption was made that she didn't know how to speak English she was a foreigner yeah she spoke English in her northern accent and people were taken aback and uh, readily took back their comments and after six weeks mum decided to take it off she said she she further studied her uh, into naqab and she decided it's better that to take the opinion that it was mubah mm -hmm. or um, uh, at the time recommended to wear it but not fard mm -hmm. so um, she took the naqab off but alhamdulillah you know wore hijab as his hijab should be worn uh, you know everything covered uh, properly uh, like I said, that time I looking at her experiences, and you know, I saw it as um, it 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 kind of um, in one way opened up the floor to Dawa, but on the other side, I think at the time uh, people weren't ready for it. So growing up, um, then I was around the university and the Dawa scenes and stuff. I came across a lot of sisters who wore niqab, but um, unfortunately their mannerisms weren't so so good with people who wore hijab and myself I wore hijab and alhamdulillah I wore you know um hijab covering you know my chest it was you know alhamdulillah inshallah inshallah I accept it as hijab but I found from a lot of sisters who were wearing niqab that they didn't reach out to people that weren't wearing niqab right. as much as those who were wearing hijab um at the time so I was kind of always like no I don't want to to wear it for that reason that it, it throws it, it pushes back a lot of sisters in in terms of dawah and stuff then you know as I had uh, as I grew older and I had more children and as my life kind of went on I, I actually back in 2006 my husband and I we came to um to Syria so this okay. was pre the and we came out to study Arabic and I decided to bring a niqab with me at the time um mm -hmm. for times when I went out alone without him I'd put niqab on Right. Because um, I'd, I'd go out and I didn't know Arabic very well, so I'd start laughing and giggling. So I thought for myself, it's better I've got a niqab on. And, and it kind of helped me to be able to, it, it gave me that confidence, surprisingly enough, to be able to attempt to speak Arabic. So I'd wear it Yeah, when I went out alone. When I was with him, I, I wouldn't wear it. Um, there'd been times as well, you know, like he, he'd said to me at times, you know, why, why don't you wear niqab? And I'd, and I'd, I'd always made said to him while I'm with you I'm not going to wear niqab so when we're out you're looking you're looking at me and not nobody else okay <laughs> mashallah yeah, subhanallah then 
what happened was he actually passed away and oh, that's God, the day that I started to wear a niqab from the day that I began my idda mm. I wore niqab so as I said I already had a niqab with me uh, from previously and I just put it on and I you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes a way for a person my heart was becoming closer to the niqab mm-hmm. I was finding that um, even hijab was evolving to a, a way that I was wearing hijab um, but you know before it was always there's hijab there's niqab and there's the people that are not wearing hijab yeah. then it all started to get a bit mixed up where you could be like now you can be a hijabi but you're wearing something that's that wouldn't actually fulfill the criteria of hijab but somebody will still call themselves a hijabi Mm -hmm. so as you know we're we're back in uh the 2000s then it was it was around 2009 and my heart was starting to to become closer to wanting to wear niqab and reading more about umul mu'mineen and their struggles and i'd made the niya but i just needed that final kick to wear it and that was obviously uh he passed away and alhamdulillah you know Allah Allah gave me that that reason was you in the UK at that time or still in Syria I was in the UK um we we were here for about uh for a roughly about a year and a half um like before the war we returned to the UK and we were in the UK um because we'd been out in out in Syria we did have some issues with uh the the terrorism police and that kind of stuff so that kind of took up a uh a period of time in our life and then he went he went away while he was away he actually passed away so I'd had a, a, oh, a couple wow. of months with, well a little while without him being there so mm-hmm. as a single uh sister with the kids and that was part of the reason as well I wanted something to you know it was I was going out by myself to places that normally I wasn't so comfortable going uh to be honest before he went and uh because I said with the terrorism stuff, there were certain restrictions put on him. So I needed to to go out to the gar- to the garage for the car and various places. And I just thought that I'm in the male space, to, yeah. uh, you know, if you understand. And so I just thought I need I needed a barrier. I didn't want the men to get too comfortable with of me course, yeah. if they're seeing me regularly at the shops or seeing me. So it was it was there. It was kind of bubbling there, and I was making du'a to Allah as well. You know, yeah make it make me me love something that that Allah loves make me you know become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I think that's that's what it was it was that I was calling out for something and at the time it just it, it was the niqab alhamdulillah alhamdulillah so lack of the answer to your prayers kind of thing would you yeah love it like that? Alhamdulillah. so would you would you say that um it was easy for you to start wearing it then like when when you kind of realized what actually you know I should maybe do it because it's going to help have that little barrier then give me that a bit of extra protection would you say do you find it easy on a practical level to actually wear it definitely to to put it on like like I said it was just that kick that I needed I was mentally prepared mm-hmm. I was making excuses to myself oh, it's not far it's not far. you know just trying to yeah you know and then when that happened I was already everything was ready there in my house for me just to to put it on and walk out the door um because I obviously it, during my that I needed to leave the house for for necessity and stuff and then the club was there so as I went out and it, you know I'd, I'd put in my mind I'm not just wearing this for for my edda I'm going to wear this for as long as I don't want to get married again <laughs> so you know yeah. it was kind of a, a strange uh intention 
but um, you know, kind of like I understand from from Umar Mu'minin, they weren't allowed to get married again after the Prophet Yeah, exactly. And this yeah, was something that was ordained upon them. And for myself, you know, I had decided at the time that you know I didn't want to get married again, so I don't want to be a fitna for for others. You know, other mm-hmm. people will know after a while that I'm single, and I didn't want to be a fitna for anybody. So, you know, just that was my barrier for me, and it was a barrier for other people that you know I find with Naqab that a, a brother may <clears throat> think twice before you know approaching you yeah, it might be a little yeah. bit a little bit more reluctance before you know speaking to you so alhamdulillah 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 so at, at that time um you know you became obviously a widow and everything um was you was you working at all or had you been working previous to that and how mm-hmm. did that happen the particular time i i was uh had been working like prior to that but the, at the point when i became widowed i wasn't and then um afterwards obviously going back into work and stuff and uh just done like a, a quick course and and that before going back to work while I was looking for for work and subhanallah you know I really really like you know also you'll re- you'll know as well Allah, he really he shows you his plan as well sometimes in your life so mm-hmm. I went into you know I hadn't been in in like a mixed environment at such that as to say like that for a long time I'd been years since I'd been in like uh, uh, Islamic classes or education so there's me back in these courses and there's there's men there and there's women there and you know alhamdulillah with the naqab on it just made it just gave me my own space in the classroom and um, it was funny because the brother the not brother the, the the course director he was actually a Rastafarian and whilst we were, we were uh, doing the course, there was one sister, she was Kenyan, and she, she'd come in in abaya, but not hijab. And there was myself, and there was one other sister who, who wore hijab, um, but wasn't really, like, practicing, but she she had her hijab, and I had my niqab on, and there was, you know, a mix of uh, people in the class. So he started doing dawah, his dawah, with the Kenyan sister, okay. to try to make her Rastafarian. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this was like, we'd had, like, a couple of... of classes and then I was like hang on this is now this is Allah is telling me to you know do my dawah mm-hmm. as well so alhamdulillah it, that each lesson became like a, a dawah thing between me and the 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 um, course instructor and uh, alhamdulillah at the end of the course where his his words to me I I'm kind of paraphrasing was uh to, he thanked me for being the first set of eyes that he had the opportunity of pleasure of having a discussion with and that was something that, alhamdulillah, I think gave me that motivation that I'm not going to allow the naqab to be a barrier and restrict me when it comes to dawah. Yeah. And that that was something that, you know, coming up to thinking about wearing naqab and I used to go and pick up my children. And when I put on naqab, I'm, I'm one of those people that when the kids would come out of school and stuff, they'd all come out and smile and, and laugh. And previously I'd been a nursery teacher as well. So when I put naqab on, the kids couldn't recognize me when I'd go and pick up my children from school and I just I, I felt that absence mm-hmm. so when I'd done this course and then I was like hang on I can even engage with people and discuss with them you know I need to now go back to my the old me just speak to people speak to children and you know make them know know what my emotions and stuff are so alhamdulillah after that I went back to to working in a nursery in a, in a preschool alhamdulillah the in terms of work the naqab didn't it was Islamic nursery, alhamdulillah. Um, so, you know, I thank Allah and, and the sister who gave me the position there. 
and so at the time that I was with the children I would to be honest take my niqab I, I would wear a, a colorful flower hijab underneath my himar when I get there take the himar off and niqab off mm-hmm. and in the classroom because it was it, it was all female yeah, uh, workers there so alhamdulillah I, I could do that and then um yeah, then later on, I decided to think about making hijrah as things, as the environment started to change. And like I said, obviously, hijab started to evolve. Then naqab started to evolve as well. Uh, it started becoming a bit fashionable. And, mm. you know, the UK's changed a lot. Um, and I think generally the world's changed a lot as well. And I began to kind of feel like, you know, as, as a single mom with my children, I wanted to kind of take um, them and myself a bit back. And in all honesty, it's not just about protection of the children. It was myself when, you know, I needed the naqab at the time because I could feel that my hijab was becoming more relaxed in the environment that I was yeah. living. Like when you go to weddings, you know, you need to doll up a little bit even within mm-hmm. your hijab and stuff. So I'm, I'm Pakistani, so everybody understands. Yeah, of course, <laughs> the, yeah. the need to, you, you, de- you definitely can't go in black. And if you go in black, it needs to have sparkles on it. Yeah. And um, my brother, um, who is Tox, uh, aid worker is uh, quite well known it was his wedding um, which was the last kind of wedding that I attended and you know I had to dress up for that wedding because it's my brother's wedding and alhamdulillah at the time I could just put the naqab over and feel like this is hijab but when I would take the the naqab off you know really and truly deep down in my heart I didn't feel that what I was wearing was hijab mm. you know so it was I it was I was struggling with myself I was really struggling with myself at the time and then I was like you know I need to get out and I said to I said to my my dad I'm thinking to move up to like Bradford or Leicester and mm. you know they were like why <laughs> or I said maybe Pakistan and I wasn't thinking Syria at all at yeah. the time because obviously it's, it's it, the war had started by then and I just wasn't thinking of Syria and then um, subhanAllah my brother came out here and then he went back and he brought his wife uh, out here. And then um, as he was engaging with widows and orphan work, then he got in touch with me and he said to me, uh, do I want to come out to help him with uh, some of the some of the work? So what started off as um, me coming out here for like two months, it went on to seven years and takes oh a month now, alhamdulillah. That's, mashallah, I feel like you're really so brave. I mean, you went with all of your kids, right? How many children do you have? Six. <laughs> and how old was the youngest and how old was the oldest at that time? When I came out here, okay, a little bit of maths, I think the eldest, he was 13. Right. And uh, the youngest was, had he was three, yeah. Wow, subhanAllah. Wow. So, yeah, by, by that time, because when uh, I'd already been widowed for around three years mm. already. So, you know, alhamdulillah, I'd kind of, started to adjust to to the life as a of a single mom with kids but then it was like my my children are getting older my son's becoming a teenager and then it was all that worry as well that you know I lived in East London the heart of East London I was thinking oh no this is really not the best place to be raising you know my my son and uh, you know alhamdulillah Allah makes a a way out you know alhamdulillah 
Mashallah, like um, it's interesting because obviously as a Muslim and um, especially living in a Muslim community, people have different concerns for their children and um, everybody wants to raise their children to the best of their, of their abilities, obviously. But I think, um, you know, in your situation, you was more focused on the kind of Dean aspect and um, what's going to be the best, like Dean wise and their, with regards to their personality and, um, you know, growing up well kind of in that perspective because I think for most people when they're thinking about moving abroad um in general and especially when it comes to a country where I don't think um, I don't know if Syria was classed as um, a developing country or whatever at the time I'm not sure how it's classed within those kind of you know first world third world I don't know which ones they call it but obviously it was kind of a bit of a war zone at the time um most people will be thinking well where's my child going to go to school and what's the best school for my child and how they're going to do their GCSEs and do you know what I mean these kind of things so in your um in your case like education wise how was you thinking like along those lines and obviously you did say that you was only planning to go there for maybe two months but so what changed kind of um there that made you feel like well actually my kids can stay here and they can do their education and they can learn and what kind of changed how did how did you go through that transition when, when I, came, I think when I came out here so sort of, you know just like coming out here prior to me coming out here my kids were in Islamic school mm-hmm. and um alhamdulillah alhamdulillah to the, to the Islamic school they helped me a lot um once I became a single parent and in terms of the the costs of Islamic schools were really high um mm-hmm. and I, I was I was managing alhamdulillah uh, by the way Allah subhanahu and that, but um, it was something I knew I couldn't keep keep going long term. My my eldest had gone into secondary school. He was, and the second one was due to start secondary school. She'd actually asked me to go that she wanted to go to state school and not Islamic school, and that was because her friends were all going to the local uh, girls' school. Yeah. And you know, I was kind of like, you know, here's me struggling myself as well. In all honesty, you know, um, it's harder. You need a companion when you're when you you know you're practicing you know and in life generally you need good company and my husband was that uh, for me and alhamdulillah you know I, I've got good family around me but I just thought that times are changing and there were friends of mine who had started to take their hijabs off and people that had been practicing earlier so I was to be honest my primary concern was myself mm-hmm. I'll be honest and then secondly it was okay you know these children are in a manner so mm-hmm. the first thing obviously when I said I'm going to go out to Syria Everyone was like, are you mad? You're taking them to a war zone. I've not got the intention to go anywhere where it's it's unsafe. Mm -hmm. I will stay in the safe zone. And obviously because my brother had been out here for a while, he'd he'd been able to assess the situation. So previously I'd lived in Syria. Um, Syria was actually, it was very developed. Um, To be honest, alhamdulillah, living in Damascus, because I lived in Damascus, it, it was like being in the UK somewhat mm-hmm. so I in my head I didn't really think that it would be so underdeveloped right. uh, you know in, in that sense so when I came over the border one of the first things that I noticed and it saddened me was the children playing on the streets and that's something you wouldn't see in Damascus this is this, when I say children playing on the streets I'm talking about two-year-olds three-year-olds mm-hmm. playing in the street playing with rubbish there's you know you've got like a, a four or five-year-old is looking after the child that's like two years old a toddler mm. outside on the streets and that really you know it broke my heart to you know because in Damascus my children had gone to nursery and uh, 
Um, my son had been in like year one in Damascus and I thought subhanAllah they, there was an education system there yeah. and they've this generation is, has lost that they've lost that whether it's the parents they're not concerned about the education anymore or there is no opportunity for it so that was the first avenue that, that I kind of went down was what what is they're here for for education not just for my own kids but for the other kids so I've got like with my my kids. I've got three that are a little bit older. They were already, you know, they were like I said. One he 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 was in secondary school. Second one she was going to secondary school, and then I've got three that are younger. So I was like with the younger ones, it was quite easy. What we done was we we started working on setting up a school, and the kids went into the school. As we set it up, the kids went in there, and I tried to do the English and studies at home. The older ones, it was harder. So um. But what I tried to do with the older ones was try to do a little course here and there. And it was really difficult, sis. Mm. That's one thing out of the last seven years or whatever is where I feel to a certain extent I've failed my children in the, the academic education. But inshallah, you know, on the other side, alhamdulillah, they're fluent in Arabic now. They can understand the Quran. Mm -hmm. They can memorize hadith and Quran very easily. And these are things that you know inshallah I, I always do believe that you can always go back into education yeah, of course it's that desire to want to educate you know if you do want to know you know you can do online courses Um, the reason we couldn't do them back then was there wasn't internet yeah, like there is now yeah. now we have internet now we have electricity when we came in for the first three years you know internet was you're lucky when if you had um the internet and you were even luckier to have um, electricity Mm. So we had our mobile phones, but we couldn't charge them yeah. for maybe two, three days. So then, alhamdulillah, now there's solar panels and, you know, it has developed a lot more, um, alhamdulillah. And obviously, we've, be, we've been able to, initially when we came in, in all honesty, like we, like I said, I only came in for a couple of months. I didn't bring in uh, my money, a lot of money of mine. Mm. Um, when I came over here, alhamdulillah, you know, um, I, be, I managed to you know, focus and decide what I'm going to do. And the money that we did have, alhamdulillah, it, like I said, I had my children in Islamic schools. I had a budget put aside for that. I could use it over here and, you know, rent, food costs, everything is much, much cheaper. So yeah. that money just went longer, you know, for longer and further, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. Living there now, um, obviously you've had quite a few years living there, seven years, is it you said, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so like, would you say that... Um, like it's easy being a naqabi living there and like there's other sisters were in the naqab how is it like how's the naqab scene generally where you live alhamdulillah sis when we came in um naqab wasn't so much of an issue naqab had been uh had been introduced or what it, it was quite clear the sunni wanted to wear naqab mm -hmm. those that the sunni that were practicing wanted to wear naqab and obviously this revolution that happened here was because uh, the Sunni Muslims had been under persecution for a long time and I even knew that when I was in Damascus there was a lot of fear amongst the Sunni uh, brothers and sisters they couldn't go to the masajids they couldn't walk uh, together in groups collectively and as, as I said even us going back from Syria we weren't the only ones a lot of the families who had been out in Syria went back home and ended up in uh, trouble with anti-terrorist police and they wanted mm -hmm. to know why we were out here and Damascus at the time says it was a hub for people wanting to learn Arabic so we had people from America people from England people from Singapore from Pakistan Africa any country Nigeria you name it mm -hmm. you know alhamdulillah 
then we had like a, it was an area called Ruknaldin where you know whoever wanted to come and learn Arabic they'd come here and people just wanted to to reconnect to the deen alhamdulillah for us as, as foreigners we were still okay but when you engage with the Syrian people you could see that they you know they there was something they they wanted to be able to do what we could, we had the opportunity to do, mm-hmm. but they couldn't. So this revolution started because of that. So when I came in first, I was shocked at the amount of amount of niqabs there was. To be honest, mm-hmm. because in Damascus, very few people wore niqab, and they wore it very very reluctantly okay. because there was that fear they might be classed as a terrorist. Mm-hmm. So when I came in, I was like, wow, mashallah, there's a lot of niqab. As the time kind of progressed, I saw that they don't really have that knowledge or that understanding of it, it was more of an identity thing that they put it on as we are Sunni Muslims okay. and we want Islam, which alhamdulillah is a, is a good thing um, as well. And there's me, I I would wear blue. So, um, you know, I, I, I do like colours. I'm not, I don't really, um, I wear more black now, but mm-hmm. I was, I never really wore much black because as I said, I didn't want the niqab to be a barrier yeah. ever. And I found that, you know, even in the UK, if I travel, go out with my kids and there's, there's six kids there's a double buggy and a woman with a niqab on I would face more hostility okay. but whereas if I just put a little bit of color you know um you know I'm not saying pink or anything so bright but just just to go a shade lighter and go into mm. navy blue it, it was more warming to the people yeah, yeah. and um, get a different reaction so the same thing when I came in here I'd wear uh, one uh, you know head head to toe type of buyer not not head to toe with the skirt and the and it's it's very very dark blue it's yeah. so close to black yeah. but I, that would be a conversation point for people they'd come and say to me you know oh, that's haram and they'd be like what's haram really? and like they'd be my yeah. very basic arabic and i'm like what's haram i said what you're wearing and i'm like why <laughs> so i i found that mashallah it started that discussion Mm. and then I got mum to send me a, an olive green niqab in again a very very dark uh, mm. you know outfit and the niqab was still black it was just that my outfit wasn't black and yeah. alhamdulillah it became a, a discussion point and that's what you know I wanted I wanted to be able to do, be approachable and it just gave them that little that little thing that they just want they were that that curiosity opened up that that door to dawah so you know alhamdulillah alhamdulillah um, yeah, and as I said, as the years went on, now some then there was a period of time people started to wear less niqab. But you know, as uh, ISIS came about and mm-hmm. it started becoming, they they started to force it. Alhamdulillah, where we lived, there wasn't. We've never lived under ISIS. We kept ourselves away from from that that thought process and those those type of people. Alhamdulillah, and that's mm-hmm. by by the will of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And um, because they enforced it or because they didn't give the, the right uh, knowledge with it, as they kind of left, people removed their, their niqabs. Yeah. And even the hijabs became more relaxed. And alhamdulillah, myself and the people that, that I'm with, we all said, no, we have to continue with the with the dawah so people understand, you know, what is niqab, what is hijab, and not that it's just... Because here it, was, it became very, like, niqab is fard. Yeah. And hijab is not not correct mm. and you know there, there, there is a middle in there you know Allah yeah. Taala has given us a, a vast deen you know as long as it fulfills the conditions and, I, and I've always said as well sis um you know naqab is is not fard in a sense you know when you engage with 
with people, you'll see there's people that are working in, in the fields, sis. They can't wear niqab. Yeah. There's there's people that are working in mud. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the deen for everybody. Not just, you know, the person who is wealthy and has chauffeurs and can do all that. Yeah, by all means, you can wear the baggiest niqab and mm. uh, baggiest abaya and that. And alhamdulillah, you'll get on. But when I was single mum with six kids and trying to cross the road with my niqab and it was hard <laughs> you know it's, it's not easy when I was driving with six kids and the niqab to a certain extent does affect um I feel maybe because I never always wore it but I felt sometimes that when if I was driving through tunnels I needed to lift the niqab because yeah. it would I'd feel nauseous yeah so you know, and then and then I, later on, I was prescribed glasses, and I couldn't wear the glasses with the niqab because they steam up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there was there was certain things that that you know, you know, over time and in continuing studying, and I and I always say, you know, it's highly recommended to wear the niqab, and inshallah, it's something that inshallah in the akhirah will will be something that will inshallah, I pray to Allah, raise our status and allow Allah's mercy upon us because we sacrifice certain things in this dunya to be able to wear the niqab. But it's not something that is fard on every single, you know, female, because people live in different, you know, types. different situations. Different yeah. Yeah. Subhanallah. Yeah, definitely. I, I can I definitely identify that. I think that even with regards to, for example, something like the jilbab, um, like because it's quite a baggy garment. And I found that, like, when I first started to try to wear it, like, I couldn't drive with it on because I just felt like there was literally just too much fabric everywhere. And it's like I was just getting caught onto everything. So, you know, wearing that, I didn't see it as, for me, it wasn't so practical. Whereas with an abaya, I could easily wear that and manage it, like, walking and wearing, wearing it and getting used to it. So, like, now recently when I've started to put, like, jilbab, like, most of the time, I find it easier because, I'm like, I'm not driving. So I'll just kind of, you know, you have to get used to doing something. Like, you practice wearing something. And then when you get more comfortable with it and you know how to manage it, then, you know, then it makes sense. You can do more things, you know. Yeah, alhamdulillah. I think niqab is like a, it's, it's, it comes in, it's, uh, well, hijab, is it comes in stages. Yeah. And, you know, the niqab was like, you know, a progression for me. And I never wanted to be like, even with my children, you spoke to, to one of my daughters and my daughters wanted to wear it from when they were quite young. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, back when I when I didn't wear niqab, my children would all ask, mommy, mommy, why don't you wear niqab? When are you going to wear it? And my children loved niqab from, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because they had certain teachers who were role models for them. Mm-hmm. And that inspired uh, my daughters. And they always said, and even my son, mommy, why don't you wear it? When are you going to wear it? And I was, I was like, no, I'm not going to wear it. Not at the moment. Why? And I discussed discuss with them. And then when we came to Syria, that was the first thing my daughter said to me, I want to wear niqab, mommy. And she was, you know, she was 11. And I was like, no, <laughs> you're not wearing niqab. And I had, what at the time, one was 11, one was like uh, nine, and one was seven, my daughters. And they went one day to, to the madrasa and they came back with niqabs. They'd been given niqabs and uh, jobabs as as gifts. And they, they used to wear hijab anyway, hijab and abaya. But they came back with this. They were like all excited. They want to wear it. I said, okay, girls, go out and play. Whoever comes back with it on, that person can keep it on. Wow. Whoever oh comes, you know. And they went out. One came back, and she was still much. She and what she done is, she hadn't played as much as she normally. My, all my girls are like tomboys. They like because yeah. uh, that was my personality. So they love dancing over the walls. The second one kept it on, 
but she'd you, you could tell she'd rolled around mm. in it and the third one she she'd come up with it off it was it was summer it was hot and she'd taken it off so I said to the older one all right fine you know get a little while and you can wear it so she wore it before she turned 12 and she became to be honest she became barely anyway um quite soon and she, okay. with her she she had the understanding that it was you know far though very close to far mm-hmm. so I was like okay as long as you study it look into it the second one is the one you spoke to I said no way <laughs> no way <Wow. laughs> because I said look you know I don't want I, one I didn't want them to give up their their childhood mm-hmm. and two I didn't want them ever to wear it and then come a few years later say mum forced us to wear it yeah or we wore it because of mum and you know I didn't want that and like I said for me I felt it's a progression it's a you know you're wearing hijab for a certain amount of time your hijab gets longer then you know your abaya gets looser and mm-hmm. then you know alhamdulillah that then you wear the naqab and that's what I kind of wanted for for my girls that they grow up you know understanding what it is and you know I sadly as well like I said the people I'd come across they were quite judgmental when they wore naqab so I didn't want them to have that kind of judgmental yeah. attitude as well so yeah number two uh which is uh Samaya, then a few years later I allowed her to wear it she said to me she actually pleaded with me and said mom please let me wear it um before I become valid because when I become valid I want to wear it yeah yeah so I don't want it to be straight away everybody knows that I'm valid I want to wear it first yeah of and so, slowly yeah. then she can you know because she because she, she she's probably explained to you anyway she she was um very social with mm-hmm. with everybody in yeah. Syria she's a cute little girl who speaks Arabic as the the locals do my older two spoke more Fusha because they still remembered it from Damascus to a certain extent yeah, yeah. um uh, Sumeya she learned the dialect the local dialect and people actually thought she was my translator not my daughter oh mashallah <laughs> so they'd be like and she'd say no this is my mum and they'd be like no your mum's not Syrian but you're Syrian and she's like yeah but no I'm not Syrian and they're like your dad's yeah. Syrian <laughs> so I've, I've had that for years they actually think you know she's she's a translator and she's mm. uh Syrian so alhamdulillah alhamdulillah sis. so I think with the naqab like I said it's something that I wanted even my girls and myself it's to be a progressive kind of thing mm-hmm. not something as a starting point because it was a talk that I re- listened to when I was back in my, in my teens and it was Sheikh Faisal at the time um who who's changed he's changed a lot but at the time he said about extremism he was talking mm-hmm. about extremism and as the more you pull the band uh, elastic band to one side it's more likely to bounce of course. to the other side yeah. and that really penetrated with me and you know with that I always thought it's better to try to stay in that middle path yeah than to to go to to too much of an extreme and you know alhamdulillah you know inshallah inshallah you know we stay on on the straight path inshallah yeah. Yeah, yeah. so sister you was wearing the naqab when you came to Syria so how was your um you know travel experience when you was coming from the UK I'll be honest um I took it off for Turkey I this three times after I wore it that I took it off um Mm -hmm. if I remember correctly the first time was I went with my children to the science museum the science museum in central London okay and we were getting a, a lot of looks and um you know, I, like I said, I'm from East London. East London, mashallah, is uh, very cosmopolitan. And it's, you know, alhamdulillah, it's, it's not too difficult to dress how you like. Yeah. But when I was going to central London on the on the underground, there was 
there was comments I could see the children were feeling a bit uneasy I'd take them out to kind of you know give them a nice day out and I just we were on the escalator and I just said to them okay guys all look down but when you look up just don't change your actions too much and literally they put their heads down and I, I put my head down and just took the the niqab off and mm-hmm. like I said Hamza and I had the hijab underneath anyway because yeah. I'd already decided this at home that mm-hmm. if it comes to this I'm venturing out of my safe zone now yeah so you know I, I took that that kind of initiative to do that I took it off and I saw subhanAllah my, my children were you know they felt at ease so it was something that they without me mentioning they had noticed the animosity from the yeah. people Second, I took it off sis and I was still in exactly the same hijab and Abaya, people are so much more warming and okay. talking and offering the seats and having conversations. I took it off that time. I went to to Umrah. Says traveling, I wore it. When I got to Umrah, I took it off. What at the time of of Umrah? Other, yes, other times in Saudi, I was wearing it. For the Umrah, I took it off. Um, at the time, you know, I, I was more of the opinion that I would rather not um have any doubt in in you know whether you can cover your face or not cover your face because mm-hmm. some systems believe that it's you have to cover your face at the same time i just made a lot of dua that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't let me get close to any men um at the time mm-hmm. and that and every time that i went i ended up being in like a turkish group or a um another nationality group you know where, where it's all sisters and yeah. the way that those groups would be, it would be they'd be brothers at the front then it'll be all sisters in the middle and then brothers at the back so alhamdulillah that was the second time I took it off and because of the way that when I traveled to to Saudi I did notice that we were being observed by uh the, the terrorism police or whoever mm. you want to call it and so when I traveled to to Turkey when I was coming out to Turkey to come to Syria I took it off at the airport I went to the loose I took it off and I decided that I'm not going to wear it uh for the duration that I'm in Turkey Wow. because it wasn't something that was worn in Turkey and it was obviously um in Turkey at the time this is obviously over seven years ago yeah. you were you were uh, seen as a as a, a risk if you were on a car at the time so I said for the sake of the children I haven't you know they, they've lost their, their dad we've had mm-hmm. a few years of difficulty and, and I'm going out I don't want to make things harder for them yeah and so alhamdulillah you know you I went out there wore it where and the, the the day that I was coming in to cross the border sis I put it on that's when I put it on and crossed the border with it on alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. and it's been done alhamdulillah alhamdulillah mashallah you've had so many different like experiences mashallah it's very interesting to hear subhanallah so many different perspectives as well and I think it's nice um you know even when you spoke about your children and kind of how they you know their kind of perceptions of the niqab itself as well because I think often um we don't get to you know kind of hear what children think about these things if that makes yeah. sense um, yeah. you know, when you're be- being a mother as well like you know because um I've, often people think that like children are scared of like you know the niqab or something like that and obviously maybe there are some kids who are scared of it but then some children if they're if they're accustomed to their mothers wearing it that's what they're used to but for, in your case you wasn't wearing it but because they was having teachers who wore it they were kind of already had like um you know they was naturally inclined to it as well I think because of that and they wanted you to wear it as well so your only children was encouraging you to put it on which I think that's mashallah really cute yeah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. 
Mashallah. So have you met any sisters who um would like to wear the niqab but um they're not actually allowed to wear it? Because you did mention before that um obviously people's kind of perception of the niqab was that it was obligatory and um as well that you know there'd been some kind of extreme viewpoints where um people had been forced into wearing the niqab. So have you um found that there's a kind of a flip side of that now as well where maybe some people would like to wear it or some sisters would like to wear it but they've been um, you know not allowed to wear it because of those kind of perceptions that maybe it's you know they're, they're going to look like being too extreme or something like that have you had any kind of experience with sisters like that the very first experience like I said it was my mum my dad didn't want her to wear it yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the first uh, and then it was me who didn't want my children my daughters to wear it because mm-hmm. I was so young and then um, after I came to Syria, my two younger sisters, they grew up and uh, they wanted to wear it. And to be honest, they got more um, backlash from the, our family than I did. I think for me, alhamdulillah, Allah made it easier. I had uh, a lot on my plate anyway. And alhamdulillah, Allah, you know, he doesn't burden us with more than we can take. And for me, no one really said much. A few jokes here and there. We're from a Muslim family, but a lot of the, the people in our family are practicing Muslims. Um, May Allah increase us all in the deen, inshallah. But, you know, when it came around for my sisters to wear it, and they were like um, 17, 18-year-olds, they got a lot of sticks. Uh, they they weren't encouraged. Not from my parents. My parents were like, it's entirely up to you, alhamdulillah. Uh, by this time, my dad, he, he started liking <laughs> the niqab. And, you know, that I think as uh, the world has changed as well, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, the 90s were different to the early 90s to, yeah. like, you know, 2000s. So, it's, it's a big change and that so this was like a few years a couple of years ago my sister started to wear it and um yeah I think they they had that spare stick and they had to think it over and over and over again and then as well over here as well you know there are people that think yeah look don't wear it it's you'll be seen as extreme or as ex- it's extreme or it's going to make your life harder you know, that kind of thing, you know, you won't be able to do this and you won't be able to do that. And that's part of the reason, that's part of obviously our work here as well, wearing the niqabs and doing uh, the work that we do. We go to the camps, we set up, uh, you know, like we've got, I've, I've actually got a nursery where that what I set up a few years ago. I work there, we employ and encourage the staff to, to wear niqab. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we try, we, we prove to people that, you know, you can do everything with your niqab on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just what it is. It's about people coming across others who wear it and are a good, good, uh, will, will leave a good lasting impression on them. Yeah. So, you know, alhamdulillah, you know, in, within our own circle here, our own community here, alhamdulillah, we've got the youngsters, some of them wear it. And yeah, initially, you know, I remember even one of my closest Syrian friends here as well, she was reluctant to let her, her girl, her, her daughter wanted to wear it. And then some years later, she started to wear it herself. So alhamdulillah, and then now her other two daughters wear it. So alhamdulillah. 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 So in Syria, do you think that there's a, a difference in how um, sisters who wear the hijab get treated um, to sisters who wear the niqab? Do you think there's a difference in how people kind of treat them generally? I think in terms of what I will say to you, obviously, when sisters wear hijab here, was it started to become a bit of a trend to wear it like, I don't know how to describe it, like the Turkish style hijab. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously we're, we're getting a lot of uh, influence from Turkey right now. So generally in Syria anyway, they would wear a long coat yeah. and they'd, they'd uh, tuck their hijab inside. 
mm-hmm. and that's how they would dress but the coats have started to get shorter as the years have gone on the clothes tighter um the hijab higher and that's so you I do notice obviously if you're dressed more like that you'll get more unwanted attention you know that the, there will be males calling or trying to talk to you you know mm-hmm. we, we that's the world we live in you know like I'm not going to say to you here where we are it's, it's super Islamic you know yeah. it's not it's, it's a work in progress um then there's the other side of the people the more like you could say the modern people and the more that we go out to the cities and that um they, they're worried they're worried that you know the extreme is extreme elements coming in or these people are of you know back, backward mentality or these people are you know to be honest we we have uh sisters here that have come over from ISIS after oh, it man. fell over so, mm. and since they went a car in front of us so oh, they will no. they will come yeah they 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 there's certain sisters amongst them who probably don't believe that we're Muslim wow. <laughs> to be honest yeah it's quite bad that's been this that's been something in the last like year and a half that I've noticed a lot that there's uh a load of sisters who wear niqab they won't speak to us they won't give us salam wow. they won't lift their niqab in front of us and I have a policy if I'm going to be um engaging with people and I know that I'm in an environment there's no there's no men around I will say to the sister sister lift your niqab please yeah. you know and so yeah because that's you know, ridiculous I'm... actually because yeah it's just ridiculous and it's, it's it's a way of um it's like extreme segregation then isn't it i mean if you're yes, all the women and especially even all muslim women then why wouldn't you just show your face like why do you need to have your niqab on subhanallah yeah because i think you know they they kind of use the the ruling with us like we're not we're not muslim so maybe we would go and describe their faces i don't know i don't know yeah. it's really it's quite sad and it and it you know it does happen and it's quite blatant as well from their side yeah. so I can understand where you know we have more work to do this we have we as niqabis have a, a greater responsibility then to make sure those who don't wear niqab understand what niqab is yeah due to the, the people who who take the extreme line of course um yeah that's kind of what I feel so alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah I you know I me and my my family are quite well known here and wherever I do go like I do travel out to other areas and because um, now it's relatively the safe it's not like the as many bombs dropping uh like before in, yeah. in the in the in the because there's been a lot of like peace treaties and stuff mm-hmm. done and turkey set up patrols and stuff so there's less bombing we do go out to other areas and it's just about like i said it's about us engaging with people so they may be initially apprehensive and think oh no here come the islamists and then it's about just smiling and talking and engaging and alhamdulillah, yeah. you know, that just reminding really them. That difficult though. Uh, I think it, that must be quite difficult going to areas and maybe people see you in Naqab and thinking that you're, you know, this, having these extreme views like, you know, these people have been following ISIS and things like that. Yeah, no, just to be honest, like with me, you know, we, I always find that obviously we, we're the ones, we're, we're the outsiders, to be honest. We yeah. came here, you know, so you know it's the the onus is on us to engage with people yeah. alhamdulillah majority of people here are muslim there there are christians here as well mm-hmm. um majority of muslims are uh, majority of the syrians here are, are sunni muslims so you know we engage with them we engage with the christians and alhamdulillah i do like going to the areas where there's christian uh christians because that gave the opportunity for my children as well to 
to because that was one thing coming out to a place which is predominant Muslim they're not around non-Muslims yeah so when I go to the areas where there are Christians you know it, it was good for them I felt that it was good for them and then it made them understand that there are different people in the world and that you treat everybody with a, with a, the same respect and it's and it is dawah mm-hmm. for them to speak and approach the Christians and stuff and alhamdulillah you know you know that that is one one of the the big blessings of being in a non-Muslim country is that you have non-Muslims and Muslims around you. Yeah, you don't take for granted that you're Muslim. So here, to a certain extent, you can take for granted that that you're Muslim if you're always engaged with Muslims or, you know. So Alhamdulillah, sis. Alhamdulillah. So Alhamdulillah, sister. To close the interview, I'll ask you the final two questions. Actually, um, first of all, what does the niqab mean to you? Okay, to me myself it's uh part of my journey to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um it's a reminder of the blessings of Allah upon us. That's the one thing it always reminds me, alhamdulillah, you know, that here they say you know, alhamdulillah for the netma of Islam. That's what it, it reminds me of. And you know, what comes to mind is that, you know, Allah says he he found you lost and he guided you. Mm-hmm. And the naqab kind of, you know, it just reminds you or reminds myself that, you know, I'm his his creation you know i'm i'm his creation i belong to him and you know if i conceal myself and look as as a you know dress as a believer like the umul mu'mineen and they were the best of best of the creation from the women inshallah you know there's i'm not going to lose anything by it you know inshallah anything inshallah will gain inshallah so and um, what would you advise um sisters who are thinking about wearing the niqab but they don't feel confident to wear it what advice would you give to them i would definitely say to seek knowledge to educate yourself on it on all the difference of opinion on it don't just take you know that it's fard or don't just take you know actually go and study it read about umul mu'mineen because that's something that i i found that i needed to do was read up on umul mu'mineen get closer to them then you want to be more like them Everything is make a lot of du'a and make istihara and then, you know, bismillah, put it on, you know. And the other thing is what I always said as well is, you know, with naqab, and unless you believe that it's fard, it's not something that has to be a constant. You know, like I said, there when you know, when I went to central London and I felt this is not the place for it, yeah. had I felt that it was fard to wear it, I wouldn't have gone to central London mm. again. But I felt that it's it, it's not fard. So therefore, I can be here and I can relax it too. But whereas, if you take the opinion that it's fard, then know your your boundaries. If you take the opinion that obviously it's highly recommended, then you know, alhamdulillah. And if you believe that, you know, there's some that might believe you, you know you shouldn't wear it at all, then educate yourself of all yeah. the different opinions on it. And that's all, alhamdulillah. So that that would be my advice really. Just make a lot of du'a to Allah subhanahu wa taala to make us do that which is pleasing to Him. Inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair sister for joining us today on the Naqabi Diaries. It's really been a pleasure listening to your experiences and, you know, your accounts of Syria and everything. Alhamdulillah. I really appreciate it. Barakallah fiki. Jazakallah khair for, uh, you know, getting in touch. Inshallah. And, uh, yeah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from you and myself, inshallah. Amen, amen, amen. Jazakallah khair sister. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Malikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.